And if you have your Bibles, you can turn in them to Genesis chapter 1. Our sermon text for this morning is Genesis 1, 1, 2, and 3. Listen then, church, to the word of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we thank you and we praise you this morning for your word and the assurance that you created us and that you are a good God and you are a God who is not distant, but you are a God who is drawn near to his creation. We thank you, Lord, for the assurance that you are sovereign over all of creation. You are sovereign over all the things that happen in each of our individual lives and you're sovereign over the history of man. We thank you that because of your promises and because of your work in Jesus Christ, we can trust you. And we ask this morning that you would help us do that. We ask that as we go through this next week, Lord, you would enable us by your spirit to to not only remember what your word says about you, but to trust you, to trust that you're in our lives and that you're working for the good of those who love you, conforming us to the image of your son. We pray, God, as we talk about these truths in Genesis, about the truths of you being a good and sovereign creator, and specifically this morning, a creator who speaks to his creation, that they would not just lie idle and dormant in our, heart, or in our heads, but that they would become truths that would shape the way that we see the world around us. We see one another and think about one another and think about you and think about the life that you've given to us. Now, as we turn to your word, Lord, we pray that you would cause us to not only hear the truths, but believe them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And for his sake, amen. The Christian worldview rests on two primary or foundational, what has been called presuppositions, or we could call them beliefs. The first is that God exists. There's a creator God. There's one God, and he's created all things. The second foundational presupposition to the Christian worldview, or the Christian religion, we could say, is that that one God who created all things has spoken. He is a God who is not silent. He's not hidden himself from his creation. He's spoken, and therefore, man can know something about who he is and what he's like. Well, we've already covered in the first couple weeks that first foundational belief as it is presented to us in verse 1 here, and some of the good and necessary consequences of it. And and we've done that. I've I've preached those sermons for the purpose of helping us think rightly about the God who made the world. He is, for example, a God who is eternal, and he's an independent God. And the creator God who made all things, we have to understand that uh, he is not, he is distinct from his creation. He is not the creation, but he's distinct from it. And so we talked about a right view of God in relation to his creation. 
while he's distinct from it and transcendent over it, he is at the same time an imminent God, or he is present within his creation and with his creation. And so now we come to that second foundational Christian belief, that the one creator God who created all things is a God that has spoken. Interestingly enough, it doesn't take us very long into the creation narrative that we, you know, it, we don't get very far until we discover this very truth. That the God who made everything is a God who speaks. And I don't know if you recognize that, but we read it already in verse 3. We come to verse 3 in the creation account, and we read, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Now you might wonder, you might ask yourself, why would God speak if there was no one there to hear it? Remember when you were in high school and you heard that really ridiculous question, if a tree falls in the middle of a forest and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound? Of course it makes a sound. But why then we could apply that to God speaking in the beginning? Well, if there was no one there to hear it, of course, when God spoke and said, let there be light, there was a sound. But what's the purpose of the sound if there was no one there to hear it and to receive it? And you might then wonder, along these same lines, if there was no one there to hear it when God spoke, then why didn't God in the very beginning just think light? And then there was light. Well, we know he certainly could have thought light. And then there was light, but he didn't. Now, there's something here I want you to see to the speech or the Word of God at work in creation from the very beginning. In fact, we could say that creation itself is bound up with revelation. God makes the world, and He does not do so in silence, but in divine speech, which creates, orders, and sheds light upon the world He made. And because He does so, The world he makes is not left in silence, it's not left in darkness, and it's not left in confusion. So this morning, I want to lay out some of the lessons and the implications of God's speech in the creation account. Now, beginning with verse 3 and continuing on through the days of creation, we read of God speaking. And then we're told the result of his word. If you, if you counted them up, you look down at your Bible at Genesis chapter 1, and some of your Bibles have paragraphs in them. They've been formatted for you. In the beginning of every paragraph, you're going to notice some, the same phrase. And God said. So ten times in Genesis chapter 1, God speaks. In each of the six days of creation, God speaks. And what God commands happens. Day one, God says, let there be light. And guess what happens? There was light. And day two, God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. And guess what happens? Well, there's an expanse. Day three, let the dry land appear. And dry land appears. And then also in day three, he calls forth the vegetation. The vegetation comes forth. And so it continues to go in the creation account. Now, one of the obvious lessons for us here is that God's word... God's Word, it contains the authority and the power of God's being. God's Word contains the authority and the power of God's being. God speaks with complete authority and absolute power. When God says, let there be, there will be. 
His word has the ability, we could say, to cause whatever it commands, unlike our word. Psalm 33, 6 through 9, the psalmist revels in this truth. He says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host, he gathers the water of the sea as a heap. He puts the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Creation, you see, demonstrates the power of God and the power of God's word. He is a God who speaks, and his word accomplishes what he means for it to accomplish, exactly what he means for it to accomplish. He's not limited as we are in what he can do. Simply by speaking, he wills what happens. God speaks through the Isaiah, or the prophet Isaiah, and he says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from the heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. When God speaks, His word is effective, and it proves His authority and power. And this brings us to another observation about God's speech in the very beginning, His speech in creation. In creation, God's word is His means of enacting or accomplishing His will. In creation, God's word is his means of enacting or accomplishing his will. It's right there in the memory verse that we just read, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created how? By the word of God. In the creation account, we see that God, what God says is, is what God does. His speech and his action, they exist in perfect unity. His word is consistent with his being and it accomplishes his work. So before man was made, there may not have been anyone around to hear God say, let there be light or let the waters swarm with living creatures. But it would be recorded that he did so that man would know that it was by the word of God that creation came into being and that we would understand that God's word is bound together with God's work in God's world. God's word is bound together with God's work in God's world. And what this indicates to us is that the creator God is not an incognito and silent God. You see, it wasn't a matter of God's inability to think instead of to speak things into being. It wasn't a matter of his inability. It was a matter of his intent. Creation was not a secret work of an anonymous God Creation was a revelatory work of a God making himself known from day one. His speaking into creation or speaking creation into being tells us that by God's design, creation itself reveals something of the God who made it. We might even say creation is the first act of God's revelation. God making himself 
known and making His glory known to man from the very first day of creation because He speaks it into being. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims His handiwork day to day, pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. And then verse 4, their voice goes out throughout all the earth and their words to the end of the world. You see, because God spoke the world into being, everything in the world that He created in turn speaks of the glory of God. Because He spoke everything into being, everything that exists speaks. It in turn speaks back to the glory of God. So from the very beginning, God is making Himself known in and through the world that He made. Psalm 97, 6, the heavens proclaim His righteousness and all the peoples see His glory. God speaks in creation at least partly because creation is a revelatory work of God. God speaks and what He speaks comes to be and then it proclaims His wisdom and it proclaims His power and it proclaims His goodness and it proclaims His glory. Now, I want to go back to where we started in verse 3 and consider what God's Word brings about in the world that He's making. Look again with me at verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, we might ask, what was there before the light? And the answer is found in verse 2, the verse right before it. In its initial stage, we read, or in initial state, we read that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And what happens then in, in the, the six days of creation that follows is that God speaks so that the world, will, the earth, will no longer be without form and void, dark and deep. God speaks light, substance, order, and life into His creation. So from day one to day six, by His Word, God arranges the cosmos and He makes the earth suitable for man to live and cultivate. By God's Word, God forms the world to be ordered, inhabitable, and filled with life. Now there's a whole lot we could get into with that, but I want to draw your attention to the fact that the very first thing God says is let there be light. Now we're, we're right to understand that in a very literal sense. There was darkness, and God spoke and then said, let there be light, and there was light. So we're right to think about it in that very literal sense, but there's more to it as well. You see, Scripture regularly associates darkness with ignorance and light with understanding or knowledge. We even do that today. You think about the things that we say and how we use darkness and light. You know, sometimes we'll say something like, well, tell me what's going on. Uh, well, tell me what's going on. I don't want to be kept in the dark here, Right? Or we say something like, I couldn't wrap my head around this thing, and, and then finally the lights came on. So what's my point here? Well, my point is that, that when God speaks, it is always revealing. It is always revelatory. God's Word reveals truth about God in this world. And this, we're given an image of this here in verse 3. An image of this when God first spoke into creation and He said, let there be light. Again, what this indicates is that God didn't make the world wherein He intended for man to, to be in the dark. 
living in ignorance of the God who made him, or even with an agnostic spirit that says one just can't know whether or not there really is a God, whether he really exists or whether this world is an illusion. No, God spoke and there was light. And corresponding to this, because the creator God speaks, because he speaks, truth is revealed to man. The light is turned on that man might have knowledge of God and knowledge of himself and knowledge of this world. Now, there are various ways that we see in Scripture that God speaks. When God spoke light and order and life into the world, the pattern of what we call general revelation was set from the very beginning. General revelation just simply refers to the revelation of God, what is revealed about God through the natural world. So like we just read in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. God speaks His creation into being, and then in turn, His creation speaks of the glory of God. And in this way, through nature, God is always speaking to man. He's a God who speaks, and He begins by saying, let there be light, and He is always speaking to man through natural revelation. Romans 1.18, listen to what Paul says to the Romans. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. In other words, God is speaking through the world and He's speaking intelligibly to man in a way that man can perceive it. And he goes on to say, so they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him because they became futile in their thinking, or but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see, what this passage teaches us is that God may, makes himself known in the created world through nature so that man is without excuse when he worships the creature instead of the creator. His unbelief in God is not an excusable ignorance, but a willful suppression of the truth of God that God has made evident through natural revelation. So that's one way that God speaks through natural revelation. We might say indirectly He speaks through nature. But God not only speaks through nature, He also at various times has spoken directly to man. The writer of Hebrews begins his letter by saying, long ago at various, or at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And this pattern of God speaking directly to man is set in the creation narrative as well. On the sixth day, when God makes man, we read in verse 28, and God blessed them, and what does he do? And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and so on. Again, when God speaks directly here to man, it is illustrative of a pattern. It's, it illustrates a pattern that continues throughout the Old Testament and New. The God who made this world is not silent. He's a God who speaks through creation and directly to man. And because of this, man is obligated, obligated to listen and to believe in Him. 
And the, the agnostic might claim that one can't know whether or not God exists and that, and that to even say that God exists, to claim that God exists is an act of prideful presumption. But the truth is that the God who exists has spoken and he's revealed himself to man in nature and through special revelation, directly to, speaking directly to man, so that to insist that God doesn't exist or that we can't know whether or not God exists is actually the pinnacle of human pride. Because since day one, the God who made the world has been a speaking God. He speaks through creation. And at various times and in various ways, he's spoken directly to man. And as, just as he did in the beginning with Adam. Now, there's something else here I, I want to touch on briefly. The biblical account of creation actually provides the foundation for knowledge itself. Atheism, so what I'm saying here, is it's not just the, the creation account sets the pattern, shows us that he's a speaking God, and we can have knowledge of God from that. It's actually that we can have knowledge at all. Atheism and materialism can't account for knowledge. Without an all-knowing creator God who, who exists, who created the world, who reveals truth, who says, let there be light so everything isn't in darkness and ignorance, where does knowledge come from? And how do we know that our senses, our memory, or our rationality and such are actually reliable? Who's to say that what we experience in this life is not a grand illusion? You see, without a good creator who made the world, designed man in his image with the capacity to know certain things about himself and this world and the God who speaks, we have no basis for assuming that we can know anything at all. You see, the biblical account reveals that God is the source of all things, even of human knowledge. He makes man and he makes this world in such a way that man is a rational creature with the ability to observe the world that God has made and that God sustains and has the capacity for knowledge. But you see, it all comes from the God who said, let there be light, and there was light so that the world was not forever covered in darkness and ignorance. Psalm 36.9, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Now, all of this is important because it reminds us that all knowledge ultimately comes from the Lord. We live in an intelligible world with uniformity in nature because God has made it so. We are rational creatures that can observe and discover realities and regularities in this world. Why? Because God has made it so. And most importantly, our Creator didn't do His work of creation anonymously, but He signed His name, so to speak, on all of His works. He spoke the world into being, and then He spoke into the world to man, so that man might know Him, and man might live for His glory. Now sadly, the creation story ends with man not living for the Creator's glory living for his own glory. But God doesn't stop making himself known to man after that. After Adam and Eve eat the fruit and they disobey God, he doesn't stop revealing himself. God doesn't throw his hands up in the air and say, well, I'm finished with these guys. No more talking for me. I'm giving them the silent treatment for the rest of history. And then walk away. 
No, he continues to be a God who speaks through his world and to his creation. And ultimately, as God's word was the means of his work in creation, God's word in the fullness of time becomes the means of his work in redemption, the redemption of man from his state of rebellion and death. Listen very carefully to the way that John begins his gospel. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And, verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, or as some translations have it, the only begotten God, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. What began at creation culminated in the coming of our Lord and Savior. God's self-revelation began when He said, let there be light, and the light pierced the darkness. And who was the Word? And who was the light? but the Son Himself, the exact image of the eternal, invisible God. So it was in creation. And so it is in our redemption. The Word of God, the eternal Son, became a man. And He came into a world darkened by sin and death, that as the light, He might dispel the darkness, and that the invisible and immortal God Almighty might be made known to man. The pattern began in creation. God has not hidden Himself from man. He's a speaking God, a God who reveals Himself through creation and to man. And all of God's speaking and all of God's revelation to man is summed up and it's completed in the person and work of Jesus Christ who is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of God's nature. He is the light of life that men might no longer stumble in the darkness of their sin and rebellion and confusion and ignorance, but come to a saving knowledge of their Lord and of their Maker. Hebrews 1.1, I read part of it, but let me finish the verse. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed, the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. In the beginning, God spoke and all things came to be. By His word, He made all things. By His word, the light shone in the darkness. And in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son. He is the light that is shown in our hearts, and the darkness has not overcome And the light, darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome the light. As God's word was the means of his work in creation, you see, 
so too his word is the means of his work in redemption. And as creation declares the glory of God, so too the redemption of man in Jesus Christ shines forth the glory of our great and awesome God. Sinners in willful ignorance towards their maker, in rebellion, forgiven and transformed into willing servants of their masters, of their master, son and daughters adopted into the family of God. You see, if we take one more step back from all of this, and I realize all of this is taking lots of steps back, but if we take one more step back, we could say, ultimately, creation and our salvation, creation and the salvation of man is all about God's glory. The glory of God who speaks that he might be known and that he might be praised and given all the praise and all the glory of his creation. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for that, that we have your word, that you are a God who has spoken, a God who has spoken and it has been recorded for us that we might know you, a God who speaks even in and through his creation that we might look at the stars in the sky at night and witness the animal kingdom the trees and the forests and all the things around us and say it must have been created by a good and a sovereign God and a God who's not silent but a God who speaks and ultimately a God who speaks in his son that we can know you because you've sent your son to live for us and die for us and rise for us. We thank you, Lord, that we have not been left in the dark. For indeed, just as you said, let light shine out of darkness in the beginning, you've shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And for this, we praise you this morning in his name and for his sake. Amen.